reading in Romans chapter 9. We'll actually start right in the middle of verse 20 uh, with that question. The Bible says, shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, but not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles? Be a good place to stop. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I do ask for your help. We try to meet through these passages, rightly divide them, bring honor and glory to you. Certainly need your help. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We have a lump of clay that is started off with before you get to any type of vessel. You don't have a vessel. You have a lump of clay and the vessel has to be made. So as we go through this passage, we need to keep that in mind. There's a starting point and then from that starting point, there's a making. Now, you ladies that like to garden, you'll go to Walmart, and you don't go and ask the person at Walmart, uh, where's the aisle with the lump of clay? You don't do that. You say, where's the aisle? Where's the, where's the pottery? Where's the clay pots? You go and you buy those clay pots, and you put your flowers in the clay pots, and you, you know, garden, and you, and you do all that stuff. But that clay pot, that vessel, that pot, it wasn't always that way. It started off differently as a lump of clay and it had to be made in to something. And in Romans chapter number nine, that's exactly what we are looking at. And Calvinists will use Romans nine as an argument to say that you were a clay vessel that was predestined to wrath and hell and damnation, or that you were a clay vessel that was predestined to heaven, um, and whatever vessel you are, you've just it's just been predetermined on you. But to me, that doesn't make sense for a few reasons. Number one, if you were predestined before the foundation of the world to be a certain vessel, and we're understanding clay being turned into a vessel, the first clue to me is you don't have clay before the foundation of the world. You don't even have clay on day one of creation. You don't even have clay on day two of creation. You don't have clay even formed. It couldn't even be formed until after day three when you've got dry land and, and, and uh, plant life. That makes sense? This idea that you're going to use Romans 9 to prove a predestinated vessel to hell, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Nobody was elected to salvation before the foundation of the world because nobody started as a vessel. We didn't start as a vessel. 
we started as a lump of clay. And you don't come into this world saved. Nobody dies. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Nobody's born saved or a lump of clay. And it doesn't matter if you start off as a Jew. It doesn't matter if you start off as a Gentile. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need to be from that lump of clay made into a vessel. You can be sitting in a church house, but not in Christ. You could just be a lump of clay in the house of God, but not actually in Christ. God he doesn't want you to just stay a lump. He wants to make you into a vessel. Now, as we're looking at Romans 9, we're talking about, we see there's a potter's house, there's clay, there's vessels. And we said in Romans chapter 9, it's chock full of Old Testament cross-references. So it makes sense to run that cross-reference. So I ask you to get Jeremiah 18. So let's go there. Jeremiah chapter number 18. And let's look at verse number 1. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there... I will cause thee to hear my words. So Jeremiah, hey, look, you got to go down, get down to this potter's house. Look at verse three. Then I went down to the potter's house. There he is. He goes there. And behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. He's at the potter's house and that potter is at work on that wheel and he's making some stuff. Look at verse number four. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. That means it was no good. Watch what happened. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. You got a, you got a potter at the potter's house working on the wheels creating a vessel, the vessel's marred, and guess what he does? He remakes it. He makes it again. He corrects it. He fixes the marring. And that's what we see in Jeremiah chapter number 18. Now, how you get fatalistic, predeterminism from God, from Romans 9 and Jeremiah 18, it's still a mystery to me. The potter started off with something and that something didn't stay as it was. And when it was made into a vessel, that vessel was marred. And so that vessel was now made into something else. You have three phases of change. Clay into a vessel, into a marred vessel, into a corrected vessel. Look, you and I don't have to stay as we are. That potter didn't throw the vessel away. He just remade it. God didn't want to throw you away. God didn't predestine anybody just to throw them into hell. He wants to remake you. 
He wants to remake lost people. And he'll fix all the marring. That's some application for us. But let's look at now the context doctrinally of Jeremiah 18. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, see that? Cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. In Jeremiah chapter number 18, God is giving that nation, Israel, he is giving that nation a message of glorious hope. He says, look, I've got you. I'm not done with you. I don't want to throw you away. And he's giving them a message of hope. Look, you're broken, but I can fix you. You're marred, but I can correct you. He's not going to just throw them away. They're a nation that have been uh, overridden with idolatry. God's going to fix that nation. They're not going to stay in that condition. Does that make sense? Now we talked about this this morning. We talked about, well, you've got a nation, but that nation really is not a nation unless it, it, it consists of people. Those individuals within that nation make up what we would call a national people. People live and die in nations. You can't say I live in a Christian nation and my mommy and my grand and my and my daddy were Christian and my granddaddy and grandmommy were Christian. And so now because I'm an individual with and because I'm part of the Christian nation, now I am a Christian. That's not how it works. If you want to say you live in a Christian nation and that's what makes you a Christian, that's wrong. You're an individual, just like your parents and your grandparents are individuals within that nation. They made a decision to trust Christ. You as an individual now living in your generation now, you've got to make a decision to trust Christ. So those nations are made up of individuals, and each individual has to make a choice. They want to trust Christ or not trust Christ. God says, hey, I'm going to fix you. Israel, don't you worry. Look at verse 7. Jeremiah 18. Verse number 7. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced, watch this, turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plan it. They've broken God's commands. Because of that, those individuals that broke God's commands, because of that, that nation is broken. Completely broken. They've turned to evil. Because they broke God's command. And God basically tells him, you guys are evil. Turn 
Now, why would God tell the individuals within the nation of Israel to turn if they had absolutely no ability to turn? He would. You guys are evil. God calls them out on it and he says, turn. It's not fixed predetermined. The other thing is, God says, I will. Where is it? Verse 8, see that in the middle? It says, I will repent. God says, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto thee. You guys are doing evil. I won't punish you. If you turn, guess what? I won't punish you. And we see all through the history of that nation, when they did obey God, God had a blessing for them physically. And when they didn't obey God, it always followed with some type of judgment, or they're in captivity and all this stuff. But they could turn. That's Jeremiah 18. Look at 10. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice. I don't know. If kind of denotes a choice to me. And that you, if I do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. It's either obey or obey not. And your choice is going to determine the blessing or the not the blessing. Okay, that's Jeremiah 18. That's to the house of Israel. And what is interesting is that at the start of the church, you had 3,000 Jews, 3,000 souls saved. You had a multitude of Jewish people being placed in the body of Christ after the formation of the New Testament church. Those individual Jews within that nation, they don't have to stay as they are. They can be made into a better vessel. And that's the picture we see of the nation in Jeremiah chapter 18. You've got to keep in mind, those Jews that got saved, before they got saved, they were the ones saying, crucify him, away with him, his blood be upon our hands and our children. And they said, hey, give us Barabbas. But they, some of them didn't stay in that position. Why? Because they trusted Christ. Go back to Romans 9. Look at verse 21. Romans 9, verse 21. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And then he might make known the riches of his glory on the uh, vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared. Unto glory. So you have some vessels on the dishonor. And then it's contrasted to vessels of wrath. That are fitted to destruction. Jonah preached repentance through the city of Nineveh. 
He goes to the city of Nineveh. God says he's going to destroy it in 40 days. That's what God said. But the people repented. And he didn't destroy the city. Does that make sense? They were headed to one destination. When God says you're going to destroy Nineveh, do you think he meant the Capitol built, like the, the, the downtown streets? We all understand that when God said he was going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days, it was individual people, right? But he didn't. Why? Because they repented. We get that. When you get to the book of Nahum, its counterpart to the city of Nineveh, because now they have a different group of individual people living in that nation, in that city of Nineveh, and God did destroy it. Same city. Two different groups of individuals that make up that city. One group repented, one didn't. One was supposed to be destroyed and didn't get destroyed. Make sense? You've got an option. God always makes a way of escape. It's up to man to take that way of escape. Same idea. Touched a little bit about this as far as Okay, we're going to say it's a Christian nation. No, I'm not going to argue that point. Tonight, I'm going to say this. We're all part of the human race. Fallen human race. Sinful human race. Because of that, we're all condemned under God's wrath. We deserve hell. We're a vessel that's fitted to destruction. Okay? But Jesus said you must be born again. Well, Lord, I guess I can't. I'm a vessel fitted to dishonor. I'm a vessel fitted to destruction. Yep, you are. Mm -hmm. Yep, you're part of the human race. You are. But Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Jesus said, you must be born again. <laughs> so you don't have to stay as a vessel fitted to destruction. You can repent and trust Christ. And now you're a vessel unto honor. Are you still part of the human race? Yes, you are, but not the condemned part. You're a marred vessel. And God can make you again. And that's what he has done all throughout church history. All throughout. Go to Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. You all know this account. Luke 16, verse number 19. The Bible says there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of swords and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the swords. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the bosom, uh, by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, watch this. I read all that to say these two words. Father Abraham. 
You've got a son of Abraham who's in hell. You have a Jewish man, a son of Abraham, that's in hell. You can't claim that you're part of an elect nation and I'm a Jew. And so therefore, I'm going to end up as a vessel that's been predetermined to go to heaven. You can't claim that. But Abraham, uh, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good thing. I'm telling you, those Jews had more blessings and privileges opportune to them than any nation. But you better not try to claim throne rights to God's heavenly kingdom based on your nationality. And the Jews can't do that. And Romans 9 is explaining why the Jewish man needs a savior. Because a son of Abraham can end up in hell just like a Gentile. Make sense? Better make sure that you say Israel was promised God's blessings and protections. People of that nation lost those privileges. But that nation, there's going to come a time when it's going to be made up of individuals who will turn and trust. And we're not getting all into that remnant. We speak about that before. But in the future, they will trust. They will look upon him in whom they have appeared. And let's go back to Romans 9. When you're looking at, look at this. You're a vessel. And God's not trying to say you're just a piece of pot. He's trying to, just a piece of pottery. He's trying to let you know that you don't have to stay as you are. Look at that verse number 21. You've got, a vessel unto honor, a vessel unto dishonor. Uh, you've got, in verse number 23, riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. See that? Honor, dishonor. How about we all ask ourselves this question tonight? Is our, are we living our lives honorably? Because if there's something in your Christian life that's not honorable, why don't you just ask God to break you and remake? Look, the same way where it's not predeterminism, where, well, you're just a vessel fitted to destruction. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just been predetermined that you're on your way to hell. The same way that that isn't true, is the same truth I'm trying to bring upon you this afternoon. If you're a saved man or woman, if you're a Christian, and there's something in your vessel that is dishonorable, you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to stay in dishonor. God can take out the marring and he can fix you. 
He won't throw you away. You're his. Romans 8 shows that clear, clearly. No condemnation of them in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Praise the Lord. He's not going to throw you away. But if there's something in your life that's dishonorable, ask him to break you and remake you. The last point I'd like to make regarding that is 2 Timothy. Let's go there. 2 Timothy. Verse number 2. 2 Timothy. Uh, chapter number 2. Rather. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth. Now watch this. And some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, but in a great house, we're talking about God's house. And verse number 21, watch what it says. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Um, Romans 9 is referring to taking a piece of clay and molding it into something better, a vessel. You've got believers and unbelievers. You're a vessel that's fitted to wrath. You don't have to stay that way. You can be a vessel fitted unto mercy. God can remake you. You can be born again. Okay? Believer, unbeliever. But you have vessels in 2 Timothy 2 where it's not about believers or unbelievers. It's the household of God, but in a great house, they're not only vessels. This is about this is about believers. In other words, God has made you born again, or you have been born again. God has regenerated you, and you're a vessel. Are you going to be used for his work or not? Second Timothy 2 isn't believers versus unbelievers. Second Timothy 2, these vessels right here, it's about real believers versus make believers. What does that mean? It means if you have, let's back up and we'll see. Look at verse number um, 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth of error, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith, of son. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There's nothing that says that Hymenaeus and Philetus are unsaved. But they're messing up some unsaved people. And if you got worldly Christians in your life, if you got some Christians that are erring from the faith and they're getting all off of all these side trails that are messing you up you're not going to be meet for the master's work you hang around with people like Hymenaeus and Philetus how are you going to be a vessel prepared for the master's use? you're not 
You want to be a prepared vessel for his use. It's the household of God. And you got to make a decision. You want to be used by God, be a vessel for him in his service. You know, I have vessels in my garage. Some vessels are just used for water. To feed animals. Other vessels are used to hold poison and weed killer. There are two different vessels. Both of them are vessels. But you don't take the vessels that you use for water. You don't put the weed killer and the poison in that, in that vessel. Those vessels are separated. You have some vessels that you have grain for your animals. Anybody can relate to this. You're not using the same vessel for the same thing. Look, all of us are vessels. Be used by God for his For his glory. For his honor. And there's a lot of different types of work to be done for the house of God. Find your vessel. And you hang around with Hymenaeuses and Philetuses. You get messed up. And if you get inside a wrong vessel, just ask God to break it and remake it. You know, a lot of people fall out of church. Someone at church heard them. Hypocrites at church. I've heard it all. 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 Well, why don't you just ask God to remake it? You know, all your friends don't have to be like Hymenaeus and Philetus. They're in the Bible. But just because we read about them in the Bible, that doesn't mean every single person you run into is a Hymenaeus. Find a vessel that's going to help you and encourage you to live on for the Lord's service. A lot of vessels, because there's a lot of different types of work to be done in the house of God. But look, none of us have to stay as we are. None of us. Let's not forget that.